book of Psalms, Psalm 78, as mentioned this morning, I think it was about 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, that our whole theme was out of the book of Psalms, chapter 78, and uh, you'll find several uh, references to generations in this psalm. And uh, it is a, uh, it's one of those that could, you, could, you could spend hours cross-referencing the book of Psalms with really the wandering years in the wilderness and the children of Israel. Uh, we don't have time to do that right now, but I want to I lift, if you would, one of the verses here, not out of the context, but the question that was asked by the uh, people in the, ch- in the wilderness that uh, was speaking really against God. Psalm chapter 78, verse 12, we'll start there. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea, he caused them to pass through, and he made the waters to stand as in heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? You pray with me and for me this morning as we look at the subject, can God? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. I pray you'd help us to pay close attention to what you have for us today. So many things can distract us. And so I pray that, Lord, you would arrest our attention, you would grip our minds and our hearts by the wonderful truths of this passage. Holy Spirit of God, convict us of our need. I pray if there's one here that does not know where they're going to go if they die, they get saved. I pray for the one that's following afar off, and backslidden, and not where they ought to be. God, I pray that you bring them back. For those watching online, God, I pray they have no distractions and that we'd respect the reading of the Word of God and the preaching of the Word of God, and the truths from your Word, they find good ground in our hearts today and bring forth fruit. And Satan, we know, would love to snatch what you want to do in our hearts, snatch it away. So we pray that you would bound and bind the hands of the strong man, Satan, and not part of this service at all. So we ask that you would protect us today, gird our minds with truth, Help us to know that we are wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness and high. Lord, we are in a war today. So I pray you'd help us today, strengthen your people today, help us to look at the very question that is very offensive to you, God. And let us, Lord, let it teach us some things about what we ought to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our text verse, obviously, is right there in verse number 19. Uh, In the middle of all their complaining, the children of Israel, of course, as you are just probably new to the Bible, if you are, uh, this is a reference to the wilderness years when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And uh, they were between the 
land of Egypt and the land of promise. And so now they're in the wilderness. What is going to happen uh, in this uh, period of time is going to direct, uh, really uh, uh, have direct consequences on many that would be alive during these 40 years. Here's what they said in verse 19. Yea, they spake against God and said, rather they said, can God furnish a table uh, in the wilderness? What a question. Notice that the question is against God. That word, right, phrase right there, against him. So there wasn't, they weren't speaking in a respectful way to God. This was speaking against the very character of God. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Now, I don't know about you, but we uh, are many times faced with the temptation of asking the same question to God. For example, God tells you what you ought to be doing. God reveals his will to you. You know what God wants with your life. And then many times we bulk what he wants to do. And we often are faced with sometimes difficult situations which arise in our life. And let me say this. There are a lot of times in our life that we just have to simply submit to the word of God. Simply. Whatever God says I'm going to do, I may not like it. I may not agree necessarily uh, want to go through the uh, pain of having to do that. But let me say this, when you obey the word of God, you're going to yield the peaceable fruits of righteousness all the time. You'll never hurt yourself by obeying God. Never, never. You hurt yourself when you do not obey God. And you'll find here that God is able to do some things that perhaps we question whether he can do. So here's the children of Israel. They're called out of the land of Egypt. They're coming out by faith. And however, they find, a, they find themselves, and they seem to be like this uh, often in these 40 years. They constantly doubted the power of God. They constantly doubted the promises of God and really even doubted the very presence of God uh, in the nation of Israel. So the entire attitude of the children of Israel could be summed up in verse 19 with those two words, can God, can God. And ladies and gentlemen, this is a lesson that we need today. They needed a lesson of trust, and we need a lesson of trust. Can God? So this morning, I realized that we're a lot like this, and of course, we're not the nation of Israel, but we're a lot like the nation of Israel, and we often ask that very same question, can God? And I'd like to tell you this morning that God can. God can. And the God we serve is still the Lord of glory. The God we serve is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The God that we serve is still able to do impossible things. By the way, the Bible uses the word marvelous things before our eyes. So you may be asking today, can God? And you can apply this to any area of your life. But I submit to you this morning that God can. God can. So let's see why they even asked this question. I think this, when you find out why they asked this question, you'll begin to understand maybe a little bit of what's going on in our hearts. I'm talking about me and all of us this morning. Look in verse number uh, uh, 19 again. The Bible says they spake against God. So this is against very God. And they said, God, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? In verse number 40. How oft did they, watch this word, provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Verse 41, yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Uh, when I was a freshman in Bible college, I was invited to hear uh, an, a, a pastor evangelist speak. His name was Brother Jack Hiles. And I went to a church in Orlando, Florida, 
And it's the first time I ever heard Brother Hiles preach, and it was, I was blown away. He preached out of this passage of Scripture, and he preached uh, out of verse number 40 way, 41, where it says, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. And man, that, that, that truth right there that was unpacked as a freshman in Bible college, unpacked before my eyes, that you and I can limit God, and you can limit the very power of God. Uh, and his whole idea was, unchain me, let me go. Let me work. Let me do things that you can't imagine that could be done. Let me save that sinner. Let me work amongst you. And ladies and gentlemen, I say this, that as God's people, we need to be reminded that God still can. God still can work. And so here's the children of Israel. God's called them out of the land of Egypt. Amongst them, I was not there. I can imagine how amazing that must have been to see God work in the 10 plagues that were sent. And when they crossed the Red Sea as they were going across on dry ground. And when they looked back and uh, the entire Pharaoh army destroyed by the flood, I did not see that, but they did. God brought them across that, and God did some marvelous things in their sight. Look at verse 16. He brought streams out of the water and caused water to run down like rivers. Then he says in verse 17, And they sin yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. Here's a principle, and I shared this with the 9 o'clock hour. Not really part of the lesson, but it's very interesting that verse number 16 is a, a verse of blessings. I mean, you've got water coming out in the wilderness, streams of water in the wilderness. And the very next verse says, yet they sinned yet more against him. So here's the principle. The more that God did for them, the more that they sinned against him. So that doesn't make sense. Why would, why would that happen? Ladies and gentlemen, listen, this is where the blessings of God, although I love the blessings of God, I, I actually enjoy having a roof over my head. That is a blessing. I, I had three eggs this morning and a cast iron pan, man. I love that. Scrambled, scrambled those things up, man, and they were down. I was, I was on my way out the door as we were eating. I was just ready to go. Had, had a full, listen, had a good meal this morning. I'm looking for a good meal at lunch and maybe another meal tonight. I, I actually enjoy the blessings of God. I enjoy having a home. I, my wife and I came into the car this morning. We had a nice heated, uh, heated uh, 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 cabin there. We were just kind of driving in, talking about the, uh, the Lord and talking about church and getting the house of God and pulling into my parking spot. Well, the one that I like this week, it's a different one than last week. But I pulled into the parking lot and came into the church and say, Hey, pastor, it's good to see you. And had some people that actually liked me. That was a blessing. I got into my office and, uh, and put my jacket on and able to get my mic on here. And listen, I'm enjoying the blessings of God. They are wonderful. I love them. And you ought to love them too. The blessings of God. But this is where the blessings of God can become a downfall. The more that God kept blessing them, the more they would complain. The more that God kept putting on them as blessings, the more they sinned. If you look in verse number 19 carefully, actually verse number, uh, verse number 17 carefully, and they sin yet more against him. So here's the point. When we get our eyes off the blesser, we're heading downward. Don't, don't, don't ever take for granted your blessings, man. Your blessings are a blessing from God. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. 
So if anything good in your life, you ought to write it down, all the good things in your life, and realize those things are not coming from beneath. They're coming from above. The Father of lights. Are you all with me this morning? And so, ladies and gentlemen, when we get our eyes off where the blessings are coming from and from the one that is blessing us, we're heading downward. That's why the Bible says, to whom much is given, much shall be what? Required. So here's a people. They're called by God's name. Here's a people that should have trusted in God without reservation. Here's a people that saw the power of God. They saw the amazing, marvelous works of God. And here's a people that tempted God. Here's a people that spake against God by asking, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Wow, wow, wow. So instead, we're like that. We're just like those people. Instead of trusting God and living by faith, we many times go to worry and fret. Instead of trusting in God, we begin to fret over COVID. We begin to fret and worry over the election process, the liberal agenda, the pressure against the church, the shortages and everything else that our mind can find itself focused on. Instead of trusting in God, we many times look at the environment and we begin to say to God, can you do this? Can you work here and speak against him? And I want to tell you this morning that we have a God in whom we can trust. We have a God that without reservation, without fear, is trustworthy. That's why Jesus says in John chapter 20 and verse number 27, he says, be not faithless, but believing. Are you all here this morning? So the point this morning is, as you look at this question, why would they even ask that question? Number one is because they were faithless people. Faithless people. I'm going somewhere, so stay with me. They were faithless people. Faithlessness can, in a very strange way, be connected to our blessings. Give me, give me, get a, get a, faithlessness can be, in a very strange way, connected to our blessings. So be, be very careful not to take your blessings for granted and lose faith for what you're going to need in the future. They were faithless people. Faithless. Number two, they were forgetful. If you look here in verse number seven of our text, and by the way, these two go together. I mean, faithlessness and forgetfulness seem to go hand in hand. Are you all here? If you are faithless, it's probably connected to being forgetful. They, they seem to coexist. Watch what it says in verse number seven, that they might set their hope in God and not what? Forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Let me, ladies and gentlemen, watch this. Do you realize stubbornness, according to verse number eight, is not a blessing of God? Stubbornness and rebellion, that kind of generation, is one that does not set their heart aright. So I, I, I gotta, I'm preaching to myself here that I got to be careful of my own stubbornness and my own pride and my own rebellion against God and against God's will. Why? Because it will not, watch this, it will not set my heart aright. So stubbornness will not know God's will. Rebellion will not know God's will. It will not set its heart aright. It will not go the right way, so to speak. Look at verse number nine. 
The children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows. Look, look what they did. Turn back in the day of battle. How and why did they do this? Well, verse 10 says they kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. Look in verse 11. And forget his what? Works. Look down in verse number 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Verse 42. They remembered not his what? Can I just say this? For, we, got, we, got, we got three references in a very short passage of Scripture that are all dealing with the children of Israel's one of the big issues. They just forgot. They forgot what God was doing and what God could do. They remembered not the work of his hand. So how he delivered them from the Egyptian plagues, how he brought them across the Red Sea, how he turned the uh, waters of Marah pure, how he put the enemies to run, how he had proven himself to be God over and over again. Powerful, powerful demonstration of his character and of his omnipotence. They were forgetful of that hand. They were forgetful of that power that they witnessed it with their own eyes. I don't know about you, man. That's, that's incredible. Of being able to see all of what God has done and yet be forgetful of it. I don't know about you, but it's, for me, how much have had a hard time just remembering what God told you in your devotions this morning? Did you have devotions? <laughs> okay, how many forget what the preacher preached on in the morning service. I do. <laughs> See, people, preacher, that was a good message, and I would ask it, but I'm not trying to be in any way. This is not a sarcastic or snarky question. I'll ask them, what did I preach on? And their funny response is, I don't know, but it was good. <laughs> Why is that? Because we, and, and sometimes I don't remember what I preached on. Say, Pastor, that's true. Absolutely true. You realize that a spiritual work to be done in your heart and mind and taking inventory of those truths, and the Bible says girding your mind with truth, it is easy for that stuff to leave, and it's hard for you to retain it. <laughs> that's why, ladies and gentlemen, it's very important for us to always meditate, always ponder, always work that word into our heart. Hide the word of God in your heart. It's very, very easy to forget. It's easy to, <laughs> reading your Bible in the morning, and you get a great truth, and it's wonderful. And boy, you had a wonderful, intimate time with God. Then the kids wake up. And the dog needs to go out. And you have to fix breakfast. You have to get to that appointment. And by about 10 o'clock in the morning, you're like, what did I read this morning? That's how it is. Forgetting what God has done is very natural for us. And they here were forgetful of the power of God. That is a big issue with us as well. A big issue. It is easy to forget. It is easy to forget his benefits. It is easy to forget the answers to prayer. It is easy to forget the promises of God. We can easily do that. My kids, I had Elijah and Timothy working through devotions with him. And uh, it was uh, yesterday afternoon. Hey, Dad, oh, we're bored. Uh, can we play a video game? Now, our house is not a video game house. We have a couple that we let them play on and uh, relatively innocent that I know of. There may be something hidden in there that I don't know about. But uh, for, for the most part, innocent video games. And he came to me, we're bored. And usually I say, go build a ship outside, build a house, go go find something and and, uh, and, and catch it, whatever. But 
It's cold outside, Dad. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. Go to the Bible. Find me five promises in the Bible, and you can play a video game. Really? Yeah. This is blessing. So they go, sorry. Well, let's, let's, uh, so Elijah sits down. I can't read. I said, doesn't really, just, just try to remember the promises. And, uh, and Timothy, he, he, he's, he's got the responsibility because he can read to find the promises. Okay. Wasn't there like a promise to Abraham? Well, yeah, find that. So he goes to Genesis to find the, uh, the promises. He said, Dad, look, there's three promises in one verse. Can we count that? He said, yep, you can count it. So we got two more. He said, two more. Oh, but they're looking, they're working, they're going through, and they're reading large passages of Scripture. And I said, why don't you just do that? Let me cut to the chase. Just go to Jeremiah 33 and just start reading. So you go to Jeremiah chapter 33, find that, and they say, okay, um, okay, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and I will give thee, and show thee, show thee great muddy things. Which, wow, that is a promise, God. That, that, that's a real big promise. That means we can call upon God, and he will show us great muddy. That's right. That's a promise. Well, I like these promises. They're wonderful, aren't they? He went to Romans and found this fifth one, and then he starts beating himself on the head. He said, Dad, we've been spending all this time. How about John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Wow, what a promise that is. Ladies and gentlemen, watch this. We ought to be a people that do not forget the promises of God. They ought to be always being reminded the promises, the precious. The Bible calls them precious promises. We need to find them. Claim them, love them, memorize them. But many times we forget them. And yet how many times has God come through on a promise that he made? How many times has he spoken peace to your storm? How many times has he met that need? How many times has he performed the impossible in your life? And yet we have forgot He has proven himself over and over again. And how many times have we just been so prone to forget all of what he's done yesterday? And so we need to look back this morning and remember those things. Why? Because we need to wrap our minds around those promises and what he's done not only for us, but what he's done for others. If God did it then, then he can do it now. So a side note here on this, and I love the, the age of this group. I love the age of the last group. But a side note, really not really connected to this message, but a very interesting side note in verse number one. Watch what it says in Psalm 78, one. Give ear, all my people, to my law. Incline your ear to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have what? Told us. Our fathers have told us. And look in verse number four. And we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. Watch this. Between verses two and four, we have references of four generations. Our fathers told us, Watch this. And we are going to tell their children that the generation to come may know them. You all with me? It's four generations. So here, watch this. Ladies and gentlemen, side note here, very interesting thought, is that the promises of God 
the marvelous works of God, everything that he's done is to be transferred from a parent to a child, from a child as he grows to another child, as they grow to another child. Why? Why? Because in verse number seven, actually verse number six, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. Here we have another whole set of generations. Why? Why do I need to worry about it? Listen, I just come to church. I do my time. I have my cosmic buddy connection. I come to church. I got my Bible and I leave here. Nothing happens. I don't do anything with it. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. You don't think of anyone else but yourself. Our, listen, our goal, my goal, your goal is to be thinking of the generations to come. You have children and grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, and great-great-grandchildren, and you won't be alive when the great-great-great-grandchildren come if the Lord tarries. Why do I need to worry about that? Because of verse 7. Verse 7 says this, that they might set their hope in God. At least give them a chance. They might do it. They might set their hope in God. But if we fail in the area of giving our children the promises, the marvelous works of God that he has done, then my children will not give it to my grandchildren and my grandchildren will not give it to my great-grandchildren and my great on and on. Why? Because that generation is coming. You know what they need? The same thing we need this morning, and that is hope in God. We are going because of our silence and our lack of transferring biblical truths to our children, we are going to a hopeless generation. Did you get that? That's not even in the notes that just came to me. Because of our lack of transferring the biblical truths of God's word to the next generation, we are going to a hopeless generation. Shame on us. Shame on us if we spend more time on everything that's happening in this world than we are in the promises of Almighty God. And I'm not, listen, I'm not against you watching things. I do that. But ladies and gentlemen, I should be focused more on what God has done because I need to know that he is capable of doing it again. The condition of these people were like us. They were faithless and they were forgetful. And those two things go together. And then they get foolish. Watch this principle here. And I'm going to say this. God wants your children to know how special he is to you. I'm preaching tonight on why Jesus is such a good friend. Our children ought to know that Jesus is just a wonderful friend. They ought to know that. They ought to love that. But watch here. I'm going to ask you to turn there quick. Keep your finger there. Go to Numbers chapter 13. Watch what happens. Here's behavior. And this is just the first part of this lesson. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers 13. By asking this question in the book of Psalms chapter 78 verse 19. Can God. They really proved their ignorance. And they proved their foolishness. 
in understanding the power of God. And in the same sense, it's played out many times today. And I'm just going to unpack this. Back in Numbers chapter 13, interesting story. Joshua comes in. Uh, Moses comes to the, uh, the, the promised land, the land of promise, and sends 12 spies over to this land, spy out the land, and 10 of those come back with a, a bad report. And two of them said, we can take it, Caleb. And Joshua said, let's go in. We can take this land. And watch this. What they're going to do at this time in their history is going to affect the next 40 years of Israel's history. Yay, watch this. And those that refuse to go into the promised land and take that land, the battle, though it may be difficult, the, the, uh, the, uh, the children of Anak were there. They were giants. We understand that. But what they're going to do in this decision, whether we should go or whether we should say, is going to affect 40 years. Watch this. An entire generation. Okay? Now watch what they say. They come back in verse 33. And here's what they said. Now here's what happens when we're faithless. Here's what happens when we're forgetful. Verse 33. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak which come of the giants, okay, and we were in our own sight as what? Are you, are you watching this? We were in our own sight. Why did they choose a grasshopper? Okay, grasshopper. And then it says, and so we were in their sight. Just so you know, Moses, I want to make sure you understand where we're at, okay? I saw these giants. These guys are huge. And we saw ourselves like that little grasshopper right there. Yeah, that thing. And since we saw ourselves as that little grasshopper, I know, I just know those people saw us as grasshoppers too. You understand? Watch this. It's total foolishness. It is total foolishness. Ladies and gentlemen, watch this. This phrase right here showed that they, number one, were faithless, and number two, they were frankly forgetful, which brings up utter foolishness. And we do foolish things when we lack faith and we fail to remember. Wow. So that's the condition of the people. Then you find here the character of God. I'm not going to ask you to unpack all of these, but verse number five, Psalm 78, if you turn back there, Psalm chapter 78. I've got five minutes to finish 45 minutes of lesson here. All right. Psalm 78, verse number 5. The Bible says, For he established a testimony in what? Jacob. And appointed a law in where? Israel. Okay? God did this for them. Which he commanded our fathers that should make known to their children, that the generation to come might know them. So God's doing something. The character of God is doing something among the children of Israel. He's starting to establish, if you would, promises for them. Now watch this. God hasn't changed. He is still the same God that keeps his word. He's still the same God that is able to perform what he says he can perform. A couple of verses that tie in here is Romans 4, verse 21, where it says this, and being fully persuaded what he had promised, I love this, he is able to perform. Now, it's one thing for you and I to promise something. If I, for example, promise my kids a million dollars, it's going to pay for your college. It's going to finish all your, all your uh, student uh, loans, and it's going to take care of all that. In fact, you'll be able to uh, buy a house and make, get a good start. I can make that promise all day long. I can't keep that promise. 
And they would like to say, yeah, I wish you could. Can't do it. I didn't buy Bitcoin when it was a dollar. Okay, I can't keep that promise. But I know this. God is able to perform the promises that he makes. So it's not just something that he just throws out there. He's able to back what he says. In Hebrews 6, 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into within the veil. We have a God that is impossible for him to lie. So, ladies and gentlemen, he's not going to lie to you. More than that, he can't lie to you. He, he can't. He, it's impossible for him to lie. So either the promises of God are just words or they're backed by someone that cannot lie and has the power to perform the promises of God. This is the very character of God. So we're going into some crazy things. 25,000 soldiers <laughs> brought into Washington, D.C. That's crazy, man. I mean, that's crazy. I'm saying you, you send that much to a country. Are you all here? We're in weird times. We are in strange times. Okay? But we still have a God that is just as powerful before all this election craziness. Still as powerful. He's able to perform what he promised. So here's a challenge for us today. I pull all this together. Here's the people, children of Israel, faithless, forgetful, foolish. They did not wrap their minds around the character of God, the one that promised. So what do I do with that? When I look at Israel's history, this is a behavioral issue. Listen, we got people that come in and out of church all the time. They're here when things get rough, and then when things get better, they're gone. Or they're here when things get really good, and then they're gone. They vacillate between ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. And they're quick to charge God. They're quick to blame God and say, God, why, if you're so good, would you allow this? All that kind of stuff. Okay? That is a typical behavior of an Egyptian mindset, if you would. Okay? I was going to preach a message thinking of Egypt while sleeping in the desert. But that's another whole message. Their whole mindset was, it was better in Egypt than it is out here in the wilderness. Really? As the preacher preached that last week, that, that we did freely eat. You didn't freely eat anything in Egypt. You are a slave. Are you all here? And so the challenge for us today is, number one, to trust God fully. Now, Mark eleven twenty two says this, and Jesus answered and said unto them, have faith in God. Well, I don't like what I see. Have faith in God. Well, I don't, ha- I don't have all the answers. You don't have to have all the answers. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. I'm writing out the book of 1 Peter. I have not written this book out, so I'm like liking this book. Am I just, just, oh, it's great. And when you write the book, the Bible out, it slows you down. How many have ever read, read so fast you just miss some key words? When you start writing it out, it's like, whoa, whoa, that, I didn't see that word before. Though it's been there the whole time. Okay? We just blow right past it. We get down four or five verses under it. We forget all about it. 
writing and slowing that down, writing to the punctuation. This is part of our discipleship ministry. I was drawn to 1 Peter 1. I want you to turn there real quick. 1 Peter 1. See, Pastor, how do I know that I'm kind of like the children of Israel? How do, I, how do I know, listen to this, how do I know that I'm faithless? How do I know that I'm forgetful? And how do I know that I'm foolish? And by the way, you will do foolish things and you will think foolish thoughts when you're forgetful of what God has done and when you're faithless. Faithless and forgetfulness go together. The, the, the manifestation of that is just foolishness, okay? It's all through the churches today. Foolishness, okay? We fight over the stupidest foolish things. It's, it's, it's the churches today. How do I know I'm like that? Look at verse number 7, 1 Peter 1, 7, that the trial of your faith being much more what? Precious. Then gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Side note here. If we were to look at these two commodities, and it is a commodity, we have gold that perisheth over here. I mean, a pile of gold. All right. If we put that on this side and we put the trial of your faith on this side. Now, the trial of your faith is loneliness. Trial of your faith is difficulty and pain, hardship, doubt, trials of your faith, where you're being, your faith is being assaulted, okay? It's being attacked, okay? It's being attacked by the enemy, both the world, our own selves, okay, our flesh, and the devil attacks your faith. Watch this. This is what we're fighting here. Now, if you had to make a choice between a pile of gold and a trial of your faith, most of us would say, you know what? I know it's not Bitcoin, but you know, it's gold. And we kind of land on this. But in God's economy, he says, no, no, no. He says, you're getting it all wrong. He says, that's going to perish. That's going to burn up. He said, but over here, the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth. Here's what it's going to do in the long term. It might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So those that have trials of faith, okay, well, your faith is being attacked. Watch this. This is going to do something far greater than gold or silver or goods, whatever, and can ever do. So don't ever underestimate the power of a trial of what you're going through. It's a powerful thing because it's going to store up, if you would, this, this commodity that's going to be able to praise God at his appearing. Wow. See, Pastor, I don't fully understand it. Neither do I. But it's got to be great. But that's not the verse. There's verse number eight. <laughs> Whom having not seen, ye love. Now, how many have ever seen Jesus? I haven't, personally. I mean, unless you saw him on a piece of toast. All right. Or on the side of a silo, the rust and all. Okay. Saw Jesus this morning. Okay. I've never seen him. Not face to face. Y'all here? Never seen him. Now, verse number eight. Whom having not seen, ye what? So you're in love with someone you haven't seen. Now, how, how much sense does that make? It doesn't make any sense. It's part of faith. You are in love with a person you've never seen before. Tonight, we're going to say why Jesus is such a good friend. What you're going to do is be reminded of how wonderful Jesus is. And you've never met him in person. 
You're going to see him one day face to face. You're going to see him as he is. And he's not the weak, long-haired European. You all here? He's got white wool hair. What he said. Eyes, flame of fire. Burn through you, man. Thighs have the word of God written on it. Got a sword. The warrior. Garments dipped in blood. That's totally different than the Jesus I have on my wall back home. Y'all here? Okay, I'm just saying. You haven't seen him yet. And you love him. But that's really not what I want to say. Verse 8. Though now you see him not. Look at this phrase here. Yet what? Believing. How do I know that I'm full of faithlessness and fear and forgetfulness and foolishness? By the, th- this very phrase right here. You haven't seen him, right? No, we haven't seen him. Not face to face. We love him. We haven't seen him. And it says, yet believing, comma, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Ladies and gentlemen, watch this. What is manifested in your faith, that you're full of faith, you're not forgetting and you're not foolish, is your ability to rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Not fearful and doubting and despondent behavior. We should be people that the community sees say, man, what is up with them? They're smiling. Why are they singing that gospel song in the store? Why? Because you believe, and in doing that, you rejoice. That's when the world wrings its hands in despair. The carnal Christian that sits in church pews all across this nation sits here and says, can God do something? But we who believe the Bible should stand forth and cry, yes, God can. When the world looks at declining morality and escalating violence and economic trouble and decrease in the popularity of the church and the increasing of evil and ask the question, can God? We must be ready with the answer, God can. When the world says God is dead, we must proclaim he is alive and remind them that God can. When the church is paralyzed by fear, by asking the same question, can God We need to say all we're Christian soldier because we're having the answer that says God can. God saves sinners. God can heal. God heals marriages. God saves the loved ones. God can bring that prodigal son back home. God can heal that relationship, change that life, take that desire away, move across our nation, work marvelous works, and God can use you. God can give hope and God can give victory. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. While Daniel was in the lion's den saying, God can. Darius was out of the lion's den saying, can God. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were looking at Nebuchadnezzar with that smirk on his face. Sentenced these three Hebrew boys to a fire that was seven times hotter. Asking the question, can God? And those three Hebrew boys came out of that fire shouting, God can. Listen, I don't even have a singe on my clothing. Woo! When the widow of Zarephath stood there watching as a prophet ate her last meal, saying, can God? Three years later, she's still eating while people around her are starving. 
and finishing her meal, she'll whisper to herself, God can. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to simply remember. Trust God. Remember his works. Call to mind past works and simply obey. Carry out his commandments. You realize genuine faith in the Lord always manifests itself in obedience to the Lord. Genuine faith does. Faithlessness always manifests itself in disobedience. Disobedience is a byproduct of faithlessness. Faith manifests. You all with me today? I feel like I'm all by myself right now. We all here? Your obedience to the degree of your obedience is the degree of your faith. The less faith you have, the more disobedience you have. The more faith, the more obedience. It always works together. Remember, faith came always, always comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You only get it one way. By the word of God. So when we get into this word right here, we get more faith. I mentioned this last week. When we lodge these words in our hearts, as much as Satan loves to rip it out, it's a battle all the time. Gird your mind with truth. Gird means repeat, 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 repeat. Why? Because Satan wants the word of God out. Because when the word of God's out, there's less faith. When there's, when there's less faith, there's more foolishness. And you tend to forget. So we have got to, God's people, see this story. I haven't seen the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. Well, one day. Oh, well, one day. And the kingdom is coming. And we're all going to say one day, there's going to be a new song. Some, there's going to be a new song. Maybe it'll be God can. <laughs> the God can song. Because God can. He's still a miracle-working God. So we need to lift our eyes above the trials and difficulties, trials of our faith, okay? And not be so prone to faithlessness and forgetfulness and foolishness. And come back to simply trust, remember, and obey. Very simple. That's our job. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe I don't know the rest of the song, but I didn't grow up in church. (laughs) God is good.